You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. <laughs> Hope y'all enjoy. Heidi ho, Winslow's. Are we going to do an intro? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. It's all in there. Okay. <laughs> y'all going to know what we're talking about in a second. <laughs> So I know typically we talk about optimistic things and making things better, but today we're here to talk about four signs that your relationship will not last. You got these four things in your relationship, it's over. Damn. Because <laughs> I know what we're about to talk about, and I got all four of them dun, dun, every dun. time. So <laughs> here we go. Um, so Carly put that real succinctly. At the top of this, but if you are in a relationship and or if you've been in a relationship, romantic relationship where, you know, it just didn't work out, uh, this episode could be for you to help you identify some things and maybe to identify your own responsibilities. Um, and if you're in one now, it can help you to get clear maybe on some things that uh, you can tell aren't quite right. But now we're going to give you a way not only to identify what the sign is, but also like how do you actually mitigate that and like calm it down so pay attention um and you'll be able to get some tactical things that you can start to try for this or your next relationship or your other relationship or your side relationship <laughs> but just to make you a better person in general and to interact better and more healthy with the ones that you love i thought this was super interesting um i listen to hella podcasts and read articles and all kinds of stuff and i continuously heard about the gottman institute and the gottmans and their studies on relationships and um, doctors John and Julie Gottman have done over 40 years of groundbreaking research um, with thousands of couples, um, specifically on like love and relationships and marriage and what makes things last. And so throughout this um, and writing over 200 academic journals and 46 books and all kinds of stuff, they came up with these four horsemen, as they call them, that are over a 90 percent accurate predictor of divorce. So if you have these four things in your marriage, they specifically said divorce, but in your relationship, um, then most likely over 90% accurate is not going to last. And these four horsemen are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So that's what we're here to delve into today. So criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. If you have those four things, they're saying it's a 90% chance your relationship will not last. But I wonder, like, why would they come up with those core things instead of saying like you know cheating in a relationship that's a sign that it's not going to last or um maybe lying or you know like things that are very obvious uh kind of attacks against a relationship perhaps like why wouldn't they you know you have a list that sounds like that man that just made me think of the unforgivable the you mm. old school youtube videos um, <laughs> that would not be okay they're today. not that old they're not that old oh, actually yeah. y'all probably are to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yo, Jay is going to love this episode just from that off top. But um, I found a quote from one of their therapists at the Gottman Institute, and I loved it. And she said, these four things are predictive of divorce because they each indicate a disconnection or opposition in communication. Uh, rather, I know. No, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no not communication. <laughs> so rather than expressing <sighs> their emotions or Future needs. Star. The couple is engaging in unhealthy patterns, mm. which disrupt their ability to connect and grow with each other. So, yes, cheating Damn, is yeah, a terrible everything. discretion. But that's like what's happened if you're already disconnected. Bam. Oh, bam, so bam, bam. Criticism, content, 
defensiveness and stonewalling are more so these corner stones of showing you have an unhealthy pattern of communication. So communication is the key. Absolutely. And if you can't connect with your partner, how can y'all fix anything or grow? Like, it doesn't matter what it is. You can't grow sure if you don't. can't connect. You're going to be in circles. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me, daddy. Um, okay. So what are maybe some situations? If we said things like cheating or lying or whatever you're doing is not, is more so like the symptom or what happens because of these things, uh, what are some situations that might trigger the content, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Dang, I already got it memorized. <laughs> boom, 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 baby. We growing today. Um, for, for today. <laughs> that's all we got. I have to run today. this one back later myself. One step at a time. Um, so I think something that's huge are big life changes. So if a couple has a baby, if y'all get married, mm. if y'all move in together, if y'all move across the country together, like anything that's big and can cause a lot of, um, change and stress. I think that that's a huge thing that can spark these or at least make them more noticeable. Or I intense. can imagine it may be too, because as you have big life changes, perhaps your uh, contributions as a couple might change. You might have more on your plate, less on your plate, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so there could be maybe more space for there to be resentment or anything like that. Um, external stressors can also trigger those things. So financial insecurities, we all know when that check low, you'd be grumpy as hell. <laughs> Uh, you be Everybody sharp, getting on like, your nerves. right? Like, don't look at me. I'm trying to fill out this application, like everything. <laughs> um, so that's real loss of career, changing in your career, promotion, all of that is straight. Yeah. So far I have examples from every single one of these things, man. And external stresses are things that we can't necessarily change. You can't stop those things from happening. The economy crashing, you know, yeah. whatever the freaking pandemic, but like, they make it harder for you to, to be okay like and if you know if it shakes you up your own security and your own uh esteem like especially with financial things and stuff like that it's real hard to connect with somebody else mm -hmm. in those times and it's kind of hard to connect with yourself like if you're feeling mm -hmm. lost or you're feeling that which can lead to substance abuse issues and that, that's another Wait big one mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> okay <Carly. laughs> So yeah, substance abuse issues. Um, any like anytime you're you're disconnected, like your mm -hmm. coping mechanisms can keep you from connecting in in healthy ways with your partner. Mm -hmm. Just and I can imagine we all see in every movie. There's always that one drunk husband, or you know they always stumble around. They're not doing nothing, and the mom or the the wife is all angry. And yeah, like we get that. Another one is sarcasm, which I'm surprised that maybe isn't a, a one of the fourth things are a part of those um but perhaps sarcasm is still a symptom of you feeling contempt um you thinking like oh you're not doing your what you're supposed to do whatever and that turns into sarcasm but that could be uh if you feel like your partner's being very sarcastic all the time or if you find yourself always having something smart to say it's like all right what are you really trying to say what's really your problem Mm -hmm. And then the last one is like lying or a lack of transparency. And I'm, those are not the same things. Damn. But they I cannot send this yeah. uh, episode to, to my partner. It's over. But I think that um, that can trigger that. Like whenever you're not able to be vulnerable and that, that mm -hmm. could be with yourself, but also with your partner like that can lead to all of these four horsemen. So mm -hmm. these are some things that can trigger them, but it is not a limited list. The list probably goes on infinitely. And so as we go through the four horsemen, think about where you've done this in the past, where you've been on the receiving end of this, mm -hmm. and maybe where you're doing it with your partner right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because all of these common situations, it's like whether you're doing them or receiving them, it all kind of signifies these four things are present in the relationship. And also, I think before we even get into a deep dive into each of the four things, I think it's important to also recognize that 
it may feel like a bad thing if it's like, oh man, we have these or oh, it's not going to work. But also it can be a good thing in progressing you actually making the decisions you need to make because divorce, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Your relationship has worked up till whenever and now it's not serving you. So also like keep in mind that I'm not even necessarily telling you, I mean, you should fix these things in your communication, but if it's not on you, then sometimes it's not about trying to fix the relationship because if you're noticing and listening to this episode, thinking about the other person and how they're criticizing or being in contempt or whatever, then there's not that much you can do about that. So keep in mind, we're talking about what you can do for you. Um, and keep in mind that if your relationship doing that bad, then. But I might be talking to myself. Let so it let's go. continue. <laughs> so but I love that focus on yourself, like doing what you can in a situation. But also, if you keep giving yourself excuses, oh, I should stay because she this because he not nah, nah, listen to these things and think about how you want to be treated and treat other people. Yeah. Think about the actual health of your relationship, not what you hope it would be or wish it would be. Yeah. We're not living in an ideal world. We're living in the real one. <laughs> so this first one is criticism. The first of the four horsemen is criticism. And I think it's important to recognize that a criticism, like a critique, is very different than, or actually, criticism is very different than just offering a critique or a complaint to your partner. Mm -hmm. Criticism is an attack on their character. Mm -hmm. And you start to dismantle that person whenever you, mm -hmm. whenever you start to criticize them. So, for example, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and that part is important that it's attack on their character because you may not be trying to attack their character, but because, and you may think, well, this is a complaint, but you're, it's the way you're saying the thing that makes it a criticism. And so now the other person is going to take it as an attack on their character. So there's a better way if you're criticizing to actually think about what you need to do and how to say it so that it's not an attack on their character, but you give an appropriate complaint. So this is something that you can transform if you pay attention to it. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, um, how we've all grown up and just our wording, sometimes we're not as thoughtful. We're like, well, I didn't call him. I didn't curse at her, you know, or whatever. But if you listen to the difference in like these next two statements, you might recognize that you're actually criticizing your partner versus mm -hmm. just voicing a complaint. So a complaint sounds like I was scared when you were running late and you didn't contact me. You hadn't called me all day. And I thought we would agreed that we would stay in contact, you know, throughout the day, especially if you're running late. But a criticism sounds like you never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. I don't believe you that forgetful. You're just being selfish, dog. You should have called me. You should have let me know. Like you never think of nobody else. Y'all see the difference. And y'all see how that's so the best that criticism came out. <laughs> <laughs> but also the superlative. You always, you never. Like, I, I hate oh, I those. That in. Oh, man. Oh, no, yeah, that's no, in there, there. too. <laughs> I'm about to say, definitely think about whenever you're using those words, because always and never are usually not that, always true. That automatically is a criticism to me, where it's like, oh, I, I don't never do anything. And that's the first thing. You know when you say a never, always, something like that to somebody, one of the first things they start doing is like, wow, so last week I didn't call you, or like yesterday, remember mm -hmm. this? Or it's like, now you feel like you have to give, like, that you're wrong. Like, you're literally, what you're saying is wrong now. Instead of... That, hey, how you felt about what happened and you wish this other thing would happen. And if you notice that you and your partner are critical of each other, don't fret. It doesn't mean that y'all are going to break up or not meant to be. Um, it's just that it can become pervasive in the way you 
communicate with each other and then it can cause the other person to feel attacked it can cause them to feel rejected and hurt and then y'all come into this like attacker victim mode which mm-hmm. does not allow any relationship to succeed and so just recognizing whenever y'all aren't voicing complaints in a way that honors each other and whenever you really start attacking like I think that that's whenever you should you know flip the switch and work on changing how you talk to each other And this example immediately makes me think of parenting also. And I can imagine that if this is something that you um, have difficulty with, you probably got it from a parent or a caregiver because I can imagine, like, that the patience that also goes into, like, with a child, like, even things like, oh, man, you should have got that last shot or, like, the way you kind of say things or talk about their room, their grades, whatever, right? Imagine how your parents talk to you, and perhaps that's also kind of just how you see expressing yourself in that way Mm -hmm. and so thinking about a better way to express yourself if you notice yourself being critical or others you can start to practice this antidote to criticism it is called a gentle startup and so changing your language from criticizing the other person to complaining so the complaint will focus on a specific behavior and not attacking your partner and so complain without blame so that's the first thing is complain without blaming your partner like saying, oh, you suck. You didn't call me all day. That's that's not how that is. Say, my feelings are hurt because we didn't talk and we communicated that we would be more in contact with each other throughout the day or something mm-hmm. like that. Like that could be a way to do it. Yeah, we've talked about that before too. Mm-hmm. Try not to say I, I mean, try not to say you, but try to stick to I statements. Um, another way to think of ways to formulate that soft startup is to think about like, what do you feel? What do you need? Um, and again, I know this is, Obviously, like everything is easier said than done because, quite frankly, when you're in this kind of space, you be needing to pause because it's hard to like reformulate. But if you could take that pause, it's like, all right, I'm mad because he didn't do a thing. But like, what do I really need? Mm. Um, You know, how do I actually feel? And then that's what you start to say. You say that you say, hey, I feel like this and I need this. And that will kind of give you your template. Mm-hmm. And so an example of a criticism in this would be like, man, you always are talking about yourself. Like, why are you so selfish? Mm-hmm. And the antidote to that would be, you know, I'm feeling left out of our talk tonight and I also need to vent. Uh, can we please talk about my day as well? So that's what you need. Um, and you're not telling them, hey, I don't want to hear you. You're just saying, hey, I also I also have a need. Mm-hmm. And then notice that she said, I feel I need and you're that means you're checking in with yourself first and you respectfully ask your partner to fulfill the need, recognizing that they could also opt out of that. And that's a whole other discussion. But you're not blaming them and you're not criticizing them, which opens the, the door for more communication. Ooh, this is good. So I definitely I do this a lot. And then it ends up being like around the same types of things. Um, I probably receive it a lot, too, because I feel like this is one of those things where it's just easier to be like, dog, you not doing this or you doing this. Um, but I know, for example, one thing that I always <clears throat> am critical of is like, and you always on the, being on the phone or, or I might not say that, but then I'm gonna get it. I start getting a little attitude. It's like, all right, dog, like, are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we doing this? The other day it was watching something on a big screen, watch something on a laptop and it was on his phone and I was about to have like an aneurysm. But at the same time, it's like, I know this ain't my business, but it's like, God damn, like, what do you <laughs> choose a thing to do? But anyway, I digress. But so I'll kind of get an attitude and I always kind of say something about it. But what ends up happening though, over time, because like that kept coming up, 
is we did get to a place where it's like, all right, after we kind of argue or after you say it in an attitude, then it comes up, it was like, well, actually, you know, I would like to feel a little bit more desired when I'm around or like if we're doing something or, you know, I'd like for us to have set, set aside time. Cause I know if you're around somebody all the time, of course, you're not going to always be looking them in their eyes, but it's like, Hey, can we have some set aside time where it's like, you know, we're just focused on each other. spending time with each other or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So we started to get to those things, but now it's the difficulty of like in the moment, a letting it fly sometimes it's not that deep all the time but then b if you do feel some kind of way it's like all right what's a better way to just start out there instead of it being like man what's wrong with you and then it goes back and forth and then you get to that you know so um that's the process but that's the one criticism i think of i'm sure there's a million others if you ask but um i'll have to think about what is that that's how i feel and what i need yeah and i think that's the issue, what it always comes down to is because even let's say for mo- for the most part, people don't actually know how to articulate their needs. Stay tuned for that. But anyways, um, if you do, you also feel really vulnerable saying like, I actually want to feel desired mm-hmm. when I'm around you. I want to feel wanted. Like I want to feel a connection. And then that also opens you up for them to say no for rejection. And so that's scary. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, let me just get attitude instead because an attitude right, like anger I don't want to have to say good. anything, but whatever. Yeah. Anger kind of feels much better than like vulnerable and, and nervous. And so I think we tend to lean into that as opposed to just opening up and asking for what we want often. But also, and not to make this too much of an aside, maybe this turns into another episode or another topic, but I also wonder what the um, relationship is between your needs and then insecurity too. Because sometimes also it's like, dog, like like I said, if you really, if it's like, I need you to pay attention to me like 24-7 and and that's how you, that's honestly how you feel, which that's sometimes that is how I feel. But it's like, I know in my head, like, dog, like it's, you don't that's not what you need like just because oh maybe if he looks at me all day like he won't think about or laugh at or engage in anything else and i'll be like the core of everything and so i feel like there's kind of like but that can go a little too far to where you still need to recognize where you might need to chill out a little bit as well oh i think that's before you just even if you're trying to say i feel this because then all day if you're like yeah i feel like i need more time it's like all right now like you need to have a life basically at that point and, and we will have a whole episode on needs where I think we can delve more into that. Mm, okay. Um, but the next horseman is contempt and criticism can lead to contempt. And so contempt is when we communicate um, and when we have contempt for somebody and resentment, it's when you're mean. It's whenever you start disrespecting that person and maybe mocking them, like you're always sarcastic or you're calling them out of your name or me complaining them like me, 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 me. Like whenever you start doing things like that, like I roll in like very obviously and just kind of very being disrespectful. Um, also, when you're being when you're when you have contempt, you are making another person feel despised and kind of worthless. So it's almost like you're trying to put the other person down um, and it comes up again when you're not when you're not speaking up about your needs or you're kind of trying to suppress them, um, this is beyond criticism because while the criticism attacks character, contempt assumes a position of moral superiority over them. So I'm going to go back to my own example because this is going to straight up continue. <laughs> so now it's contempt when he's watching something on a laptop, TV, and phone, and, I'm, and I go like... <sighs> Like, come on, bro. Like, so I thought you were supposed to be getting work done. Or it's almost like I'm trying to make you feel like, well, I'm over here doing something productive or I'm not looking at five different things. Or it's like, you're not good enough. Or you're, why are you doing that? Or like, yo, can you not focus on anything? Or, you know, it's like taking it to the next step is like, it's like I have an attitude because 
I'm kind of like feeling like like I'm more superior at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we often judge others on their actions and us on our intentions. It's like because we know when we're mm-hmm. by ourselves, we be looking at Everything. the TV and the laptop yeah. and the phone sometimes. But when you do yeah. it, it's because I'm working and I'm looking at you sideways like you ain't got shit to do. Mm-hmm. And so there's an example is like also think about it like um, an example of another source of contempt is like why are you tired cry me a river i've been with the kids all day running around like crazy just to keep this house doing and all you do is come home from work and lay on the couch like a lazy person blah 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 i don't have time for this you play those stupid video games like if you've noticed yourself like demeaning other people's activities or hobbies or things that bring them joy i feel like that's a good indicator that you should probably check yourself yeah, that's definitely something to catch. Um, and an antidote, antidote, Jesus Christ, I don't even know if that's a word. The antidote to that is building more of a culture of appreciation and respect. So while contentment shows up in statements from coming from moral superiority, like uh, sarcasm, cynicism, calling by a different name, out their name, rolling your eyes, sneering, comments, etc., contempt being destructive and defeating, um, the antidote with that is regularly express appreciation for the small things um show gratitude show some affection show some respect um as often as and easy as it is for you to like have something to say when they're doing something you don't like like actually say more positive things out loud or react to the things that you do feel good about um kind of go against that a little bit by also not always attacking but to give them the praise that they deserve as well Mm-hmm. And contempt is important because it's the the single most important predictor of divorce. Of the four of the four horsemen, contempt is the single most predictor to divorce, and so you should avoid it at all costs. But when thinking about building up this culture in your relationship of appreciation and respect, also thinking about how that makes you feel, because the more positive you feel, the less likely you mm-hmm. are to express contempt or have anger. You know that's unexpressed to other people, and so um, I've heard that. You know, for every, um, what is it? For every five, for every one neg- negative interaction that you have with a partner, they talk about how it's important to have five positive reactions with your partner. Now think about how often that actually happens. So like every time that y'all get into a fight, like every time you have something crazy to say, do you also have five positive things to say or five thank yous or five things that, you know, you noticed that they've done in your life? So just kind of notice that ratio of like what kind of conversations you're having and how you're talking to each other. And I've always talked about this as withdrawals and deposits, um, like in an account. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's okay when you have something to say sometimes, even in a healthy way, like a criticism. I mean, well, not a criticism, a, a complaint or whatever the right way to do it is. Um, or, you know, if you have, if you get smart or whatever, but then it's like, hey, you can only withdraw so much money from the bank account before it's just depleted. Um, and so being sure that you also deposit is very important. Um, and I like the idea to try to deposit more than you withdraw. Um, don't make it phony. I, I talked about before how my parents used to always be like, say two nice things every time we said something bad to, each, to a sibling. And I used to always be like, yeah, you draw good and you're funny. <laughs> Like, we used to always say the same things every time. Like, you draw good. But, like, it's still it's still annoying to have to do that. Um, but I think it was a good practice because this also kind of makes me think about uh, this antidote. Makes me think about how it's, like, you know, how you, how you, um, your perspective of the thing is, like, still going to affect, like, how you really feel. So you really can kind of choose to, like, all right, let me focus on, like, something positive or what's a good thing about him right now or, you know, what's something I like and like just try your hardest to like 
switch and reframe because there are the positive things there, hopefully, but you're kind of just not focusing in on them at the time. And that can help you to also remember and think about like how big, you know, this is like from a higher viewpoint, like, all right, maybe this thing isn't that deep or maybe it's not as, as big or, you know, it's just a small, whatever thing that you can kind of at least let slide sometimes, um, maybe not all the time or maybe not even at all, but depending on the thing, um, but just give yourself more perspective. And I think that's so important. Um, and then there's an example, and this reminds me of uh, Dr. Sandra Espinosa. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So a contempt statement is you forgot to load the dishwasher again. God, you're so lazy. Mm. I, yeah, I say that because they don't be cleaning up after they cook and stuff. Um, the antidote, I understand you've been so busy lately, but could you please remember to load the dishwasher when I work late? I really appreciate that. And the difference there is it's a respectful request and then it ends with appreciation. And Mm so I'm much more likely to do something if you come at me like that than the first way. Mm -hmm. And even if they respond with that, like, hey, well, I'm busy, too. I've been doing stuff, too. At least like you you said it the way you're supposed to say it. And that goes straight into the next question. Defensiveness. (laughs) Damn, this one hard, too. So So far, I'm two for two. Man, I'm, I'm on me doing them for sure. And I'm, I'm sure I, I received, but. Oh, I've definitely been two for two. Like, um, I haven't talked about mine, but I think contempt was one of the biggest ones in my past relationships because I just wasn't mm-hmm. great at voicing what I need. So anytime we would have a little spat, it's it would go into, yeah, just, it's like, whoa, this was not a great reaction for what actually what happened in the moment is because I had all this pent up aggression mm-hmm. from things I didn't say. And then I'm definitely, de- I'm definitely defensive and working on it. Hey, I get accused of this every other day too. <laughs> three for three. <laughs> Man, you batting out the park today. Wilding. <laughs> but defensiveness is typically a response to criticism. So mm-hmm. you're not, sometimes you do these Facts. things just out of it, but sometimes it's also a response to criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whenever we feel unjustly accused and we start fishing for excuses. Uh, it's also whenever we play the innocent victim so our partner will leave us alone and back off. Mm-hmm. It's also reversing the blame. So you're trying to make it the other person's fault. Um, and it's a way of blaming uh, the partner and avoiding your healthy conflict management. Um, so this is never successful. Um, and our excuses kind of just tell the partner that we don't take them seriously um, and that we won't take responsibility for our mistakes. Oh, that's what they're saying? Mm-hmm. God, dog. Uh, so <laughs> I got all kind of personal things. Re- repeat that statement. <laughs> uh, hmm. So I always get uh, accused of like, like man you're never take accountability for things and it's like huh yeah i do like i yeah i did i did a thing or i did this or that but i think because i always feel like and I, i've expressed this too like yeah it feels like you're always like criticizing all the time so it's like the more it feels like somebody's attacking you like i'm like yo that it feels like you're attacking my character mm-hmm. and so it's like of course i'm like i'm not just gonna sit here and take that like bro and I'm like no i'm not i'm not that person i'm not this all the time i'm not you know, all these things, it like just makes you seem like you're just a bad person. And so I feel like it's probably is kind of natural to be defensive if you feel like you're always being accused because just so much. And then it's like, yo, but don't look at your things that you do. And it's like, bro, like we are human beings. And, you know, like, well, give me some grace because I'm still growing. Like, look at you. And, you know, you just want to flip that because it's like I'm, I don't want to accept those things about myself. Whereas it could have been true that those things have been or are parts of my life or my communication style or whatever the problem is, but could have been expressed in a way that was, I don't know, connect better or I don't know, or at least not pile it all on top of each other. It, it's just a lot. Um, 
So I can see as somebody who is defensive or has been called defensive, it's like, well, you try to explain why. I don't know if that's also being defensive, but it's like, well, you're always like criticizing. Like you're always saying this. And like, if somebody says you're this, it makes you want to be like, well, I'm not that. I might be this, but I'm not that. And it's like, bro, let's like bring it down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and I think justification is part of that, too, because I noticed that part in myself, too, especially if I feel like my character is attacked. Oh, I'm I'm on like I'm I'm very defensive and no. And I start giving facts and all these things to combat it. But it's like it's a way that our partners sometimes in critique. Sometimes there's a little bit of truth in critiques and the things that people say. They might not say it well, but there might yeah, be some be a lot. Yeah, it, but I'm not going to receive it now. Yeah, it's like I'm a, just a whole bad person. Like, all right. Yeah, all right, well, if I'm such a bad person, bye. Like, whatever. Right. Oh, then, oh, they ain't going nowhere, though, so. <laughs> like, well, all right, then. Um, so, an example of this is if I asked Carly, did you did you call Betty and Ralph and let them know we're not coming tonight like you promised this morning? I was just too damn busy today. As a matter of fact, you know how busy my schedule was. Why didn't you just call? Wow. So, a non-defensive response can express acceptance of responsibility, admission of fault, and understanding their perspective so the opposite of this would have been what oops i forgot i should have asked you this morning to do it because i knew my day was so busy that's good that's my bad like let me call them right now yeah that's kind of that's a hard one damn this is these examples are good though because i like how it's like oh i i did forget but like it's not like i'm a bad person the way it's like yo i forgot i should have asked you because i knew i was gonna be busy but i just didn't and i think in these moments we don't, I don't even think that hard about, like, you know, what really happened like that. It's just, like, dog, like, I had stuff to do. And you're yeah. not thinking about, like, well, I could have, but then I. So I think that's interesting. I wish I had, like, a whole bunch of scripts I could just start using. Man, and maybe that's something to look into. But um, a lot of this information comes from the Godman Institute, and so you can, we'll link them in the comments, and you can go do some research of your own whenever you're delving into this. Um, but the antidote, the antidote. Oh, yeah, every time. <laughs> that joint just don't come out right. The antidote to defensiveness is to take responsibility. So defensiveness is defined as self-protection, in the form of righteous indignation or innocent victimhood in an attempt to ward off a perceived attack. Note perceived, because sometimes people are not coming for us, but we act like and think that they are. So many people become defensive when they're being criticized. But the problem is that this really doesn't ever help anybody. And so instead of blaming your partner or saying that that's not me, um, that can escalate a conflict and lead to, you know, you not taking responsibility, them not feeling heard. It's changing the way that you communicate, even if it's only for a part of the conflict. So, for example, defensiveness would be, it's not my fault that we're going to be late. It's your fault since you always get dressed at the last second. Whereas the antidote could be, I don't like being late, but you're right. We don't always have to leave so early. I can be a little more flexible. And so in that, they took responsibility for the conflict, so trying to leave too early for something, but still asserting that they don't like to be late. And this partner was able to prevent the conflict from escalating by admitting their role in it. And so this can actually lead to compromises. So thinking in those moments, because that's a very real one, like I do be dressed at the last second most of the time. <laughs> um, and thinking about, you know, where both people can state where they are on something and it can come out to a compromise. Like, you know what, you're right. But we don't always have to leave an hour early to get there. Mm -hmm. mm, these seem difficult to fix with an antidote. Like, 
on the spot. I don't even, this is too overwhelming I think for it's, me. I think it's just a practice. I don't like, I, we're not going to leave this episode. You're not gonna leave this episode and just be magically fixed from all of these things and how we react. We've built up lifetimes of responding and reacting like this, but what we can do is start to be more thoughtful and start to practice. Mm-hmm. And so these are just ways. Cause one thing you can know and identify, especially, if, you know, listening to this, talking about this, you, you can identify when you're wrong. Like, you know, it's like, oh, dang, I shouldn't have said that. So maybe mm-hmm. it's like, you can even be like, hold up, stop. And like, let me think real quick. And then you could try. But it's sometimes it's still like you'll try to say, like, I want to attempt to say this a more, you know, way that's going to connect better or, or not be accusatory or whatever. And it's hard, though. You know, everything you say kind of wants to be like, well, you, oh, no, you, uh, you. Uh. <laughs> and <Yeah>. it's like, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, but at least like catching it, you know, like we always say, it could be the start. Um, so, all right, fo fo fo. I'm going four for four with stonewalling, <laughs> <laughs> which is usually a response to contempt. Mm. Um, and for me, this obviously is a communication issue because we know stonewalling occurs when you withdraw from the interaction. And I do this all the time because, like, all right, now all of a sudden I feel like you're just like talking at me, attacking me, and I'm just shutting down. Like, yeah, I'm I'm over it. Like, I'm not gonna talk about this. I'm gonna talk later. Or I might walk away. Whatever. I'm down for that shutting down and simply stop responding to their partner. So then you might be like, oh, so so now we're just going to not talk? Like, we're not going to communicate about it? Um, and really, but what I've been wanting to say is, well, I don't feel like this is going anywhere at this point, so what's the point? Um, rather than confronting the issue with the partner, so stonewalling it makes it more of like a evasive maneuver. Like, you just want to tune out and or be busy or distract yourself or like, I'm just not going to engage you anymore um but why is why is stonewalling so bad why because uh, i've heard this obviously multiple times but like why is stonewalling bad when it might be like hey like i don't want to i don't want to wild out in a response or it's like you're not communicating with me with respect or appropriately and i'm just like over it what's wrong with that i I don't think there's anything wrong with withdrawing yourself from a situation and setting a boundary. I think the difference with stonewalling is that it becomes habitual and keeps you from mm-hmm. avoiding it. Keep, you keep avoiding dealing with issues. So I think it's stonewalling mm-hmm. whenever you refuse to address things and actually communicate. And that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, hey, I need a day or I need 20 minutes or I need to go take a walk and I'll talk to you in two hours. It's like you just stop talking to them mm-hmm. and you like leave them alone. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, how can we ever fix things if you're always shutting yourself down? And so it's important to note that stonewalling like happens after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, it's like, you know, a buildup mm-hmm. of contempt, a buildup of criticism and all these things that are happening. So you just it becomes a big mm-hmm. thing where you just refuse to talk about stuff. And I would say it's kind of like or from from my experience, kind of when it's like you stop feeling safe talking. It's like, oh, no matter what. I say they're gonna do this or say that or whatever so you just kind of stop um and I would say and, and reading this I agree it's a result of feeling uh physiologically flooded mm-hmm. uh so it's just like yo like you know like kind of like burnout or like you're just shutting down like I just can't do anymore um and as a, I don't know if it's as an introvert or as a person who's just my brain is already very busy all day it's just like I don't have time for this but when we stonewall um you're just not in a physiological state where you can really discuss things rationally. So to your point, maybe it can be more of a, hey, can we just come back to this in a few minutes? Because um, sometimes that, that is all it takes. Like, usually we'll come back to it. But it's like right now, I'm like, this is doing too much And for I think that that's a safe boundary to set for yourself and a very important one. And your partner should understand, like, them trying to force you to talk about something in the moment is not healthy either. Mm-hmm. But a way you could take that break if you notice you starting to if – you, if you get angry and you start to cry, if you notice, like, you starting mm-hmm. to black out or whatever's happening, you can Yo, say, hey. Yeah, you be blacking out. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you don't leave me alone, I'm about to freak out on you. But you could say instead of that – 
hey, I'm feeling a little too angry to talk about this right now. Can we take a break for like an hour or two or maybe even a day and come back and talk about it tomorrow? It'll be much easier to have this conversation mm-hmm. and walk through this once I've calmed down. Mm. Okay. Um, so an antidote to stonewalling then. Um, what are some things or how can we, what can we do instead of stonewalling, I guess? Man, so... It talks about being physiologically flooded, and that's what happens whenever our body is in fight or flight. We've talked about this before, but running through it real quick, it's whenever your body's trying to keep you safe and alive. So your body thinks that you are in a life or death situation. You're not thinking clearly. You have the stress hormone racing all through your body. Adrenaline is pumping. And you need to feel safe. So a way to stop stonewalling is first, I would say, set a boundary with your partner, but second, to soothe yourself. So by taking 15 or 20 minutes to take a walk, to meditate, to practice some breath work, to get your body physically out of that fight or flight response so that you can start to think clearly. Because whenever you're in that elevated response, you're not able to think clearly. It's actually scientifically proven that you're dumber whenever your body is there because it's literally just trying to keep your ass alive. Mm -hmm. So anything you can do to help dissolve that anger and get you not maybe not even anger, but dissolve that stress and get you back on a level playing field. And then um, the Gaiman Institute actually... Uh, throughout their 40 years of studies like gave couples 15 minutes of a break like when they were arguing like in the lab or wherever they do their testing they made them stop talking for 15 minutes and whenever they came back like they couldn't talk about it you know but just 15 to 30 minutes going to read magazines you can't talk to each other you have to chill but whenever they came back their heart rates were lower their act their interactions were much more positive and productive than the couples that did not take the 15 to 30 minute break and uh, this might not just be stonewalling or, or stonewalling in itself, but I also kind of notice too sometimes like you can be trying to go into a discussion, like you know it's a conflict, for example, and you're not trying to like argue. Like you're, you are cognizant of like, all right, let me make sure I kind of say things a certain way. I want to be clear. I wanted this to connect. But then like the more you kind of keep going and back and forth, it's like, all right, then it starts turning into like, well, all right, well, da 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 da. Like all that stuff goes out the window. Um, so this kind of makes me think about just the importance of just taking that pause, like whether you're about to like stonewall or whether you're about to just like revert back. (laughs) Um, It's just like, yo, let's just come back. Um, So I like, I like that uh, kind of example of like, let's just take a break and come back to it. What are some other like examples of what we can say here? Um, so if, if we're getting into it and someone's like, you know, hey, we've been going through this over and over. So the back and forth, like mm-hmm. you said, that I'm so tired of reminding you, like, look, hey, honey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now and I need to take a break. Can you give me just 20 minutes to go, you know, relax and get my head together and then we can talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that keeps you from exploding on somebody. It keeps you from saying things that you don't mean in your heightened state of not being as intelligent as you actually are. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to calm yourself down so you can make more rational decisions and not lash out on people. And the 20 minutes is important. That's actually from the study as well, because they said it takes your body about 20 minutes to physiologically calm down. So during that time, avoid your thoughts about like, man, I can't deal with this no more. I don't do like try not to focus on those types of thoughts. Don't let it like stew in your head, but take a moment to maybe read something else, list us music or for a walk, something like that, where you can like kind of get your mind off of it for a minute and then come back. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's important in general. I recommend that every single day. (laughs) Um, But in this moment, it's really important. Well, so I loved that episode. (laughs) How about you? 
I um I no that was really good. Carly um had this framework in here that from what she had heard on that podcast, and I like it a lot. I think that was very helpful for me, and it's interesting because I feel like it did kind of capture like all these spaces, right? Like my main issue, maybe at the core of everybody, their issue might be communication in some kind of way. Um, but for sure, like, that's obviously, like, that's been my thing, like, in general with life. And so, of course, in relationships as well. And so, for me, it's like, dang, I'm really, like, four for four on all these. Um, and I think this is helpful, at least because now, maybe when I'm having a certain thought or, like, having a discussion or whatever, I can maybe at least all right, identify that it's one of those things. And then from there, it's like, all right, like, I can think about what what's the antidote or what should I do um so i like this it helped me to break it down really well uh what was it criticism contempt defensiveness stonewalling which one do you think is the hardest or would be the hardest for you to antidote and to like do better in um i think i I don't know if it's any one of these in particular but the habit i think behind all of them is not being able to express my needs Mm -hmm. or not communicating my needs therefore i will start criticizing and have contempt for you and being defensive and stuff um but out of so i would say i need to learn how to and i'm working on it but better communicate my needs but i think i deal the most with defensiveness because i don't know why but in the heat of the moment i always feel like they're coming from my life and they're not necessarily sometimes but not all the time and it's like how can i you know pause and react in a or respond in a better way instead of reacting. I was going to say defensiveness as well, but um, I would say that because I always feel like I'm taking responsibility, but I'm always accused of never taking responsibility. So it's like, what else can I say? Or like, what am I not saying? What am I not doing? I, I always have to go back to that. So um, with those uh, examples, they seemed so like clear, but also difficult to really pull out like the real like, you know, what, what is really going on? Um, and in a way you can take responsibility without it feeling like you just letting somebody walk over you as well. Um, so I would say defensiveness is, I think the one that seems like it would be the hardest for me to reframe or to do it the right way. Um, the other ones are easier to identify as well. Like, you know, when you're like rolling your eyes or feel Mm -hmm. some kind of way or criticizing, it's like, all right, the I statements and how I feel. So that's cool that I can at least see in which spaces I know, okay, I could probably do a little bit better and I know what that could look like. The defensive one though is that one seems a little harder for me. Yeah. Same, especially because it's such a visceral reaction for me. Like it just happens. And mm-hmm. I, yeah. And it's like, how can we do this better? And so by no means are these antidotes like apply the band aid and you're healed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are a good starting point, And I feel like I learned a lot even about myself um, and, and how I communicate in relationships. So I don't know what which one is the hardest for y'all to deal with or you struggle with the most. Hit us at Carly's Couch on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Call us. Let us know what you thought of the episode or which one of these you're going to be working on this week. Yep. And this week's shout out is going to us, kind of. So, Dee Hirsch Mental Health um mental health services. They are a mental health organization based in Southern California, they have a few different locations that you actually actually can go to the clinics. And a big um, part of what they do is suicide prevention. They have a suicide prevention center. They are the people who answer the suicide hotline when you call um, in this area for sure. And so they are always fundraising, trying to raise money to provide those services so that less people are taking their lives, getting the help that they need. So on November 14th, there is an event called Alive Together. 
And this event is going to be 2,160 steps. So we're, it's actually a walk. So we're going to go to Exposition Park near USC. Um, and we're going to walk and we're going to be raising money for suicide prevention. So what we have done, and you can go to the site, um, it's ddhirsch.org slash alive together, D-I-D-I-H-I-R-S-C-H.org slash alive together. Um, and you can look for our team. So I created a team for my company, Capsoch. So we have a Capsoch team. Carly is on it. Um, shout out white men be priest got a few other folks from um, our work who are going to be on the team as well and we are trying to raise some funds so if you go there search the team capsosh agency um, you can make a donation even if you just give like five bucks that's perfectly fine you can give 20 bucks 50 whatever your heart desires but just want to put that out there that we are raising money to donate to our team so look for us um, and help us out if you can yeah. And then the link um, to our team, if you want to donate specifically, will be in the bio or in the episode notes, not bio in the episode notes and come support. And then our question of the week, Alexia, what is one difference between you currently and your future self? Um, one difference. Yeah. I'm trying to get the <laughs> mic all of a sudden. <laughs> one difference between. Me and my future self is that uh, she is less offended. Mm, I like that. You had a deep answer. Bread. My future mm -hmm. self got way more bread than I got currently. Um, but a deep answer is. Um, that could be the answer. I'm about to say, yeah, that might be my answer. Today. Damn, for once, give one answer. Okay. Nah, <laughs> see, now I got to give two. Um confidence just more more confident in myself my decisions and who i am and then the next question offline for y'all is now how do you bridge the gap what do you need to do to bridge Ooh. the gap to that future self all right guys see you next week Bye. <laughs>